This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on September the 3rd, 2023. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. Gospel for this day is written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 16. Glory to you, Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life or their soul? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what he has done, what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. This is, the, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Please be seated. Well, grace and peace to you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I'm preaching on the gospel and also the first reading we heard from Exodus chapter 3. Let's pray. Lord, sanctify us in the truth, make us holy by your truth, for your truth is holy ground and indeed brings us life and salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I suspect you know uh, the gospel we heard very well. Jesus' familiar, yet still puzzling teaching uh, about the non-negotiable necessity of us taking up our own crosses if we're to follow him. Precipitated by uh, Peter's protest at Jesus' proclamation that he himself has to, has to suffer and die in the days ahead. Of course, Christian people ever since, and you included, uh, have remarkably borne suffering as part of following Jesus without losing faith in him. Uh, and indeed, uh, being strengthened in faith in the process. You know your own particular crosses. I'm not going to try and enumerate crosses. You know your crosses, some of them very heavy, yet you still gather in Jesus' name, listen to him, and indeed sing his praises. Now, that's a miracle that you do that uh, on the basis of our Lord and yet your own crosses at the same time. So let's consider this puzzle just a little bit today. 
Beginning with a story uh, my mother told me about a young girl and her teddy bear, maybe a bit like this one. That one. Um, well, one day, out of the blue, this little girl began calling, calling her teddy bear Gladly. It's a rather unusual name for a bear, isn't it? Gladly. So when she kept it up, her mother asked her why she was calling her, her bear Gladly. To which the little girl replied, because that's what pastor keeps on calling it in his sermons. Gladly, my little cross-eyed bear. It's a, it's a bit corny, isn't it, really? I mean, it's a bit thin. Gladly. Well, great wisdom comes from the mouths of little children, uh, our Lord has said, and in this case too. But knowing Jesus' uh, teaching, we want to. We want to gladly obey. But why? What's behind this puzzling demand? Well, we'll touch on just a couple of things. But first, first consider Jesus and his cross. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Well, you know about Jesus' crucif uh, crucifixion well. We've got a whole season leading up to it, and of course, a particular day, Good Friday, dedicated uh, to it. And you know the instruments of the cross are from those days too. The scourging beforehand, the crown of thorns, the mocking robe, the victim carrying his own tree of death, the stripping naked, the spikes hammered into flesh and bone, and then exposure and suffocation until all life breath is gone. Horrible, horrible to recall, disgusting in reality. Death by torture in full public view, completely dehumanising. It was the point, actually. You wouldn't do it to an animal. Yet this was done to Jesus, Jesus who is God himself. Jesus, who before his incarnation in the womb of Mary appeared to Moses in the burning bush, making the ground unutterably holy, declaring his unspeakable name, I am who I am, the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, whom we confess in the Nicene Creed as the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through whom all things were made, who said in the beginning, let there be light. And there was light, all of it, and everything that followed. This is what we now know about Jesus, what we know about Jesus. Jesus who could still a, still a storm with a word, who could bring health and wholeness at a touch and drive the demons out as well, who never overlooked one person who came to him for help but overflowed with love and compassion. Yet here he is, bashed and crucified, withholding his power, submitting to this wicked injustice and sin, even to death itself. Why? Well, to soak up into himself, into his divine and human self, everything that is evil in the world so that he can redeem us from it. 
releasing us from every form of self-salvation that we embrace. Self-salvations which only take us away from life, make things worse and take us away from life, not towards it. Hard to recall, but that's Jesus and his cross. Jesus Christ and him crucified. So why then our crosses? Why must we bear crosses when Jesus has already borne his cross for us all? Well, one sad reality is that often takes something difficult to stop us in our tracks and turn our attention to God. It often takes a major disruption to open a space in our life sufficient to let the still, small voice of God be heard. Now, God didn't appear to Moses, prince of Egypt as he was, in a privileged palace somewhere, but waited until he'd lost his throne as an outlawed murderer and had been reduced to tending sheep in a foreign land. That's when the Lord appeared to Moses. Only then was Moses actually attentive enough to turn aside to consider something unusual nearby and then reply, here I am, ready to listen, Lord, when the voice the Lord called to him from that burning bush. Jesus rebuked uh, Peter when he, of course, characteristically jumped in, in rather, rather than uh, carefully considered what Jesus had been saying and asked searching questions about it. Indeed, Peter, poor Peter had to suffer repeated defeats before he learned to humbly listen all the way to bitter tears after denying Jesus three times, right when Jesus' suffering and death was unfolding in front of his very eyes. Blessed Mary, full of God's grace, mercifully did listen to the angel Gabriel, perhaps because of humility learned in the school of poverty uh, at the bottom of the social order as she was. But it took a physical blow from heaven, didn't it, to knock Pharisee Saul off his high horse and then blind, helpless blindness before he was ready to hear the Lord speak personally and transformationally to him. Jesus taught, blessed are the poor in spirit because they're low enough to pay attention to the Lord. So there's one reason why we need to bear crosses in order to follow Jesus so that we stop and listen. And there's another reason. There are lots, actually, of course, but here's another. And that is that we habitually think life lies in a different direction to the cross-shaped way of Jesus. So when trouble comes, we do everything we can to avoid this suffering and what it brings. We say with Peter, that must never happen. God forbid. No. And then we commit our time and energy, our life indeed, trying to prevent our fears coming true. And when they do fall on us, these troubles, we get annoyed, angry even, perhaps vindictive, blaming others, looking for a scapegoat, too easily joining the crowd, calling out, crucify him, crucify him. Trying to save ourselves, trying to gain the whole world. Thank you, Liam not denying ourselves, not acknowledging our ignorance and our sin, but dictating terms even to God. 
And that, Jesus says, is the way of death. The way of death. That's the way, not to fullness of life, but to the emptiness of a living grave. So self-focused that it's blind to others and certainly blind to the God-man Jesus who's right there in front of us. That's the way of death, Jesus says, not to the fullness of life. The things of man, things of humanity, not the things of God. And isn't that what we experience when painful struggles are avoided? So is the growth they afford. Dad's on Father's Day, helicopter parenting, robs our children of the very learning that they need when they, uh, by facing the challenges of life. We protect them from it, they just don't learn and grow through them. Indeed, do we really know who we are and whose we are without being tested? You know, uh, as soon as God the Father declared Jesus to be his eternal son, with whom he was well pleased, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by Satan through which then Jesus personally appropriated his identity which had been declared and was strengthened and equipped for his great mission ahead. So our crosses are God's personal and communal call to growth, to growth into Christ, who bore the most terrible cross of all for us. Growth into each other too, as our weaknesses are exposed, yet graciously forgiven and transformed by love, the love of the community to one another in the name of Jesus. Our crosses are a concentrated space for grace and the discovery of Jesus' own self-giving love as the pathway of true life. When we're in a hole so deep, we can't see any way out. Jesus says, I'm here with you, I'm here with you, just as God didn't free Israel from, his, uh, from slavery, but was with them, said he knew their suffering. And then, of course, our Lord Jesus says, and I'll get you out of here, just the way the Lord not only freed Israel from slavery, but actually took it to the promised land. Jesus came in the flesh precisely for this reason, to respond only as he can by bearing our suffering as both God and human to open the way through it all through it all for us. That burning bush, by the way, was actually a thorn bush, it seems, according to uh, the word used, a crown of thorns even then, um, miraculously and graciously not consumed by the fiery holiness of God's presence. Now, that's the nature of God's saving grace at work. Making himself available to us in his holiness in means that we can access without destroying us, without consuming us, as should otherwise rightfully happen. A burning bush for Moses, which even more miraculously, by the way, was a talking bush. Uh, of course, physical Jesus for the disciples and for us, his holy body and blood in bread and wine and his holy voice in Scripture's page and in each other's conversation and care for one another. The more we're connected to these things, these things of God, the more we have life as God intends it. The more indeed we truly exist as we receive our life from the only one who has life and existence from himself, the great I am, 
Not I'm going to be or I'm made by somebody or I was, but I am the creator, not the creature. The cross for us, therefore, is to believe this and live it, live by it, no matter what, suffering and all. The cross is living and functioning faith in our Lord Jesus in his person and work as he truly is and his participation in the church as the communion of saints even though we just see motley sinners. The cross is Moses leading Israel out of slavery after God rescued Moses from his avoidance procedures and Moses goes on and on and on in the Exodus 3 and beyond to try and avoid God's call. The cross is Mary replying to the angel Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you've said. Our crosses, never self-chosen. We don't choose our crosses, uh, but God permits them in his wisdom are a participation in Jesus' own suffering, indeed, as he shares, as infinite son of God, he joins himself to human, human, human suffering within his own being, and then buries it forever with his resurrection. As Peter writes in his first letter, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And this promise too, coming from St Paul, 1 Corinthians, God is faithful. He'll not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing, he'll also provide the way out. So to all the Peters in us, around us too, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Why behind? Because that's exactly the best place to be. The best place anyone can be behind Jesus and his cross. Continually walking through the door of life that Jesus' cross op opens for us protected from God's wrath and judgment by Jesus' innocent suffering and death, forgiven all our sins by his blood shed for us, saved from foolishness by his divine truth and own way of the cross, equipped for the future, re rewarded, he calls it in the text, by his voice calling us on. So, dear brothers and sisters, join that little girl and her pastor in declaring gladly my cross I bear, my little cross I bear, my cross I bear. And stay behind Jesus uh, and his cross, for there's no better place to be. And the peace of God that comes from this passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds safe in Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen.